Welcome to Total Reboot, the only podcast on the internet about movies. It's me, Alexi Toliopoulos, coming to you at the top of the frickin' episode to make a frickin' announcement. We are going to be continuing the Millennium Mindfuck miniseries for just a few more episodes. The response has been so sick with people joining us along the discovery of watching all of these movies again, rediscovering them, discovering them for the first time, and finding out what the frick was up with the new millennium with so many films questioning what the concept of reality was even about. It has been so much fun diving into these movies again. We want to continue along with some more movies that we felt were essential to the experience of the millennium mindfuck. The next episode is going to be about a movie from a director that they like to call Peter Weird, but I like to call Peter Weird because the guy got freaky with a little movie called The Truman Show. So next week on the podcast, we're going to be discussing the Jim Carrey dramatic turn in the classic reality bender, The Truman Show. Also, we want to hear from you guys what you think the essential movies in the Millennium Mindfuck Saga are that we have yet to discuss on the podcast. So hit us up over at Twitter, Instagram, at this is Alexi, at I'm Cameron James, at Total Reboot Pod, or patreon.com slash Total Reboot, or the Facebook group if you're a patron subscriber, and let us know what you think the Millennium Mindfuck movies are that we need to do before we wrap things up on the podcast. Next week on our Truman Show episode Cameron and I will make a cool announcement about some cool new things that we are working on with the podcast so stay tuned for that next week on our Truman Show podcast we'll be making a cool announcement in the meantime enjoy this episode with our closest podcast family members with Joel Dusha and Joel Zamet from Sans Pants Plumbing the Death Star based on speculation we love these guys and this is a very fun weird discussion about a crazy movie called Vanilla Sky Hello and welcome to another episode of Total Reboot Millennium Mindfuck miniseries where we are discussing all of the crazy, weird, twisted and turned out movies from the new millennium. My name is Alexi Toliopoulos and joining me to discuss... Oh, hang on. What am I talking about? We are talking about the movie Vanilla Sky, and it is my pleasure to be Alexi Toliopoulos here to be talking about a Cameron Crowe movie starring Cameron Diaz and to be joined by my beautiful co-host Cameron James. Thank you so much. Finally, we're getting name representation for me on this freaking podcast. It's so exciting to have the director, one of the stars, and now the podcaster about it 20 years later. It all feels like it makes sense. It's beautiful stuff. Yeah, it's one of the few things I would say that makes sense about this movie. So I'm very excited to discuss it with you. It's your first time watching it? Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. And I have thoughts, feelings, emotions. Um, I can't wait to unpack it. I actually can't wait to unpack it with our special guest that we have on the show today. I am very excited to bring two beautiful babies to discuss Vanilla Sky with us here today. You know them from Sans Pants. You know them from Plumbing the Despedal. You know them from Baseless Speculation. Please welcome returning guest Joel Dusha. Hello. And for the first time on this podcast, Joel Zammer. G'day, g'day. We've got three Camerons, we've got two Joels and one Alexi. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Mathematically, <laughs> that all makes and, sense. Uh, and two cruisers. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got two cruises. Two Mapathas in this freaking flick. <laughs> two Mapathas as well. <laughs> Holy <Mapathas>. shit. 
Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. And one Spielberg. <laughs> this is a beautiful situation we've got here. I feel like this is kind of like mm. the actual markup of the world. Like, if this is statistically correct. <laughs> you know, like they say, like, the number 23, which mm. is um, another Millennium Mindfuck movie that we are not doing in this miniseries. <laughs> but what they say, once you notice the number 23, it exists everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about the number of cruisers, Mapathers, Joels, and Camerons, <laughs> and Alexis yeah. in this combination. Once we notice it here, we'll see it everywhere, dudes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The audience mm-hmm. is never going to recover from yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's that like the bite of mind cough or something. What? <laughs> yeah. I don't know the actual term. My wife told me it, and I keep calling it the Spider-Man cough. I just I don't <laughs> understand how to say that. God, those I caught a bit words. of that recently. Yeah, actually. it's not good. <laughs> not good. <laughs> Got a lot of web fluid in my freaking lungs at the moment. So, fellas, this is my first time experiencing and tasting the vanilla sky, but uh-huh, um, uh-huh. I'd love to know, have you guys seen this flick before? Well, this is also my first time watching it. It's been a movie that's been on my radar, and I'd seen mm. stills from it. Uh, yeah. Alexi, one of which, our friends. Which stills? <laughs> which stills? Uh, I've seen any in particular. Poster, poster, <laughs> picture of Penelope Cruz. Yeah, yeah, I've just seen a lot of pictures of Cameron Diaz in my time. I've and- seen a still <laughs> from Open Your Eyes, the original, no. but uh, I don't know if I've seen any from this one. Uh, <laughs> I think the main one, the picture I'd seen a lot of, is uh, Tom Cruise with the mask on the back of his head. Because I was like, what is going on here? Mm. <laughs> it was definitely mm. enough to pique my interest. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great scene. Um, but yeah, I I first watched this. Um, it was big time on my radar. Uh, and uh, Alexi, one of our friends, Angus Truscott, has a clothing brand called Moods that put out a Vanilla mm-hmm. Sky T-shirt, Ooh. and that was the thing that got me over the line. I was like, all right, Vanilla Sky's back. I gotta watch it. <laughs> um, uh, uh, th- this, I've probably seen this film more times than I can count. I think I've seen this film like 10 times, <laughs> maybe 15. I like I, I, I unabashedly love this film. Uh, uh, when when I when I heard that uh, JD was coming on this show to to talk about Vanilla Sky, I was like, no, but I want to talk about Vanilla Sky. I love that film. This is not uh, a bit. Like not a bit. So I'm like, do you think I'll, I'll me- do you reckon can you talk to like I'll message Alexi. So I message Alexi. I'm like, can you yeah. call me? Because again, I love this film. I I, I hate to say, uh, yeah. It's you like- sent me like 15 bona fides of like why you should be doing it. I'm like, yeah, dude, you could just ask. No, no, you know, no. I didn't, I didn't, this is, this like- is not a movie you need qualifications for to talk about. I I think it is. I think there's a degree in pop culturology. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah. Okay, watch it when it first came out. Um, mm. at the How old were you when it first oh, came out? Shit. I would have been in my teens. Came out in 2001, wow. if that helps. Uh, I've graduated high school at 2004, so th- wow. minus 17 minus 3. Uh, so f- 14 to 15. Yeah. Are you making us do maths on this fucking show now? Come on, what the fuck? Just tell us your age. I don't know how old I am now. It's not, it's not making it a riddle. I was 17 minus 3. You yeah, do the math. You do the I don't math because right now I'm panicking. Were you like interested in this type of movie? Because it was like, mm. we're talking about this as a genre cycle of these kind of like mind bending weirdo movies that came out around this time. Oh, yeah, cool. Were you into the fight clubs? Yes. Were you into this kind of shit? Oh, yeah, I was like, absolute little fucking idiot. Absolute shit kicker of <laughs> yeah. a piece. Yes. Uh, yeah, nah, I adored these films. Like, I, I loved uh, Vanessa Guy so much that in, like, yeah, I think I told you, Alexi, in a, in a, in a drama piece. Uh, so I, I did uh, year, year 12 drama. Uh, I, I basically. 
based a whole like they had to do a whole monologue and then like the final exam and that kind of stuff was based around like Noah Taylor's character <laughs> from <laughs> Vanilla Sky. All like, right, talk uh, us wow. through this. Is, um, I need to hear every element of this independent project. So it was tell, we we had tell to tell me what the monologue was. <laughs> tell me what um, how you okay. repurposed the dialogue. So basically, we we had to uh, we had to do it was, it was based really weirdly around another Noah Taylor film. Um, oh, so this no. was by our our, our beautiful uh, drama teacher, Mr. JT Thompson, Mr. Jordan Thompson, I think, or Thomas. Jordan Thomas. <laughs> Shout out to Jordan Thomas. Shout out to Jordan Thomas, you beautiful man. I bet he still uh, remembers this performance. <laughs> yeah, you there's something. Oh, I fucked it up. No, it was good. Um, so it was. I think. What's the one where he goes to? I think it's like a like a mental institution where he puts on a play. Is that too cozy? Cozy? Cozy. Yeah. Cozy, yeah. Yeah. So the whole the whole concept, and again, I don't know how on the nose this might be now, but <laughs> by the way, yeah. you're ticking all the boxes for me right now because I also was obsessed with um any movie that was set in a mental institution mm. and I did so many drama monologues in school that were within that framework. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is the assignment. Like the reveal is that this yeah. is a guy that's actually in a mental institution. Yeah. Yeah. So I will do an admission here as well. My year twelve drama piece was me doing the Glengarry Glen Ross monologue, but as a homeless guy who had gone crazy Beautiful. in the uh, during the GFC, the global mm. financial oh, crisis. So oh, that's. I think we're all peas in a pod here. <laughs> so the the premise of this, like, we had to. It was a uh, each of us had to do a five or ten minute like piece, basically, um, mm. and it had to have an overarching narrative that combined us all. And of course, uh, the the teacher was like, "Hey, okay, so it's going to be basically you're all." patients at a mental asylum and you're all not basically dealing with reality so you all have to do something which is uh i guess a disconnect from the reality they're experiencing i would go out on a limb and say that based on that premise given to the class that the teacher was also big into millennial mind fuck films (laughs) yeah 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 i reckon this guy is a 12 monkeys fiend (laughs) aren't we all God, what a film. Uh, was the teacher like young ish? Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, 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 like 25, yeah, yeah. teaching oh, year 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This rocks. I this mean, you just rocks, called him dude. JT. So if you guys are all calling him JT, this guy's fucking 23 years old. Yeah. Oh. yeah and he is bringing sexy back. He's that kind of JT. <laughs> so, so we did that. So my whole thing was based around just, yeah, like, like someone. Um, disconnecting from reality and just come again, you know, year 12. So I was quite young. So like, like six, I turned 18 at the end of year 12. So like 17. Yeah, we know how old people are there. You don't need to do the riddle this time. (laughs) Like, we're good. So thinking what I think was cool. So trying to sell someone a fictional (laughs) person as well as a fictional life. When you told me, Zamet, that you did a monologue for Mm. Vanilla Sky, I presume that you did the Cameron Diaz monologue where she talks about getting cummed three or four times Mm. by Tom Cruise. That's got to mean something. I swallowed your cum. That's uh, actually a very, I, I will say, that particular monologue moved me in the yeah, movie. Yeah. Not your one, Zamet. That <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> I felt nothing during your performance just then. Cameron was counting down minutes and seconds as you were performing. You, left, you left me feeling cold. You left me feeling unengaged. <laughs> I, I would like to say, Joel Zamet, don't take yep. that on board. Cam is 
clearly, I can tell, seething that he didn't have exactly the same idea mm-hmm. when I he am. was in year I 12 am. doing his drama performance. <laughs> I am. I'm really annoyed that I didn't do that. Yeah. I did fucking Shakespeare. Ah, oh, yeah. That's Pussy not mind fucking at all. I did an Iago monologue. But, uh, wow. Great monologue, but yeah. still, it was no, I, I wish I'd taken the leaps mm. that you took. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we, yeah we, we never, again, I went to a very bad like school with no funding for the arts. So... <laughs> <laughs> So I wish we had be like, hey, do this monologue. Nah, a lot of it was like, make up your own. Make up a story. Go on. You can figure it out. I'm 17 and know the world. I'm 17 and have great ideas. So it's fair to say that this film it was important to you then. Is it still important to you now? That's what I want to know. Well, again, having not watched it for a good, uh, like probably since I was in high school, uh, and then watching it again. You told us you watched this movie 12 times. This was all within two, three years. Yeah. <laughs> Love this film. Wow. Did you see it at the cinema? Yeah. How many times do you reckon? Uh, at least about once. Okay. Yeah. But it stayed with you. And then oh, the yeah. moment it hit VHS? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, DVDs were a thing then. Yeah, it would have been DVD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. As soon yeah, as it came out at my, my local- My first DVD was Godzilla 1998, Ooh. so you know, that's how I know. Mine was Shrek, Gladiator, mm-hmm. and American Pie. Mine was Rockstar, oh the Mark Wahlberg classic. <laughs> wow. I'm obsessed with that movie. <laughs> I, I love, love that movie. I love that, the, the that film that he, so much as well. The band There's that like... he joins is uh, Steel Dragon. I yeah. think that's the name of the band. Yeah. <laughs> I had that like album downloaded listening to it on repeat. <laughs> I always say that like my two favorite bands are Steel Dragon and Stillwater, which is the fake band <laughs> oh. from Almost Famous. Nice, Another nice, Cameron nice. Crowe classic. Yeah, I, nice, I will nice. tell you this. I saw this movie on VHS Whoa. when it first came out for home video because my mum rented it. Um, and I remember vividly watching this movie and just being like, what the frick is going on? Because I would have been like under 10 years old <laughs> yeah, watching this. Yeah, not a great uh, film to watch under the age of, I want to say, 14. I think it was the first time I learned about a lot of things <laughs> in this movie. Probably first a female nipple I saw outside of a family. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you always remember Hell the yeah. first nipple you see outside the And family. the last. Yeah. The last. <laughs> yeah. I was mm. like, perfect nip, let's not let's not go further down. Let's see how they go. <laughs> um, leave them a bit of a mystery for yeah, me. Yeah, let but that linger. I would say I saw this movie once then, never again until very recently. In fact, I rewatched it when it came like up on... Uh, and the new 4K version came out. And I was like, you know what? I've never stopped thinking about this movie <laughs> since I was like nine years old. Mm-hmm. And I'm desperate to see what it is. And I've always had that line, a line in this movie in my head where Penelope Cruz says, I'll see you in another life when we're cats. Yeah, I, I almost oh. got that tattooed on me. <laughs> no, you didn't. Come on. Dude. I've heard no, this story. No, 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 no. I no, hear no. that. That's, no, that's you didn't. Sure. How close true? did you get? Uh, did you draw it? No, no, did you write it, it down? It was the, very much the planning stage of like, what do I want to get a tattoo of? But that was like, ooh, I want to say like, yeah, up there. The, like, the I'll see you in another life. I'll tell you in another life when we're both cats. Mm-hmm. I'll see you in another life when we're both cats. I think, Where yeah. would you have had that tattooed on your, probably um, the lower back, I imagine. Oh, of course. Yeah, the tramp stamp. Probably like on like a forearm. Uh, again, like kind of weird. so everyone can see yeah. this one kind of currently is. Well, like, yeah, and like that. I've known Joel Zamet for at this point about ten years, <laughs> and I can promise you that this idea was in the last ten years. I remember 
Because <laughs> I remember him talking about it, but not to me, but it was in a conversation that I was like near and I was like, I don't understand that reference. I didn't think about it. And that memory has just come back to me now. So yeah, can confirm that's Jesus a real thing that almost Christ. happened. I wish it did. <laughs> yeah, me I, too. I wish I fucking reveled in this. Also, when did. I met you, you were like 25. <laughs> yeah. That's... <laughs> He was his own JT at a certain point. Yes. Maybe have it over my heart or something. Oh, my God. That would have rolled. <laughs> well, I cannot wait to get deep on Vanilla Sky, mm. and I have no idea where this communication is going to go. This, <laughs> I can't even call it a conversation. Mm. We are commuting mm. about this. Uh, so shall we do it? Let's get into our discussion on Cameron Crowe, Thomas Cruise Mapeth of the Fourths, Vanilla Sky. I want you present when I open it up. I don't know what's inside. David Ames' perfect life. When will you call me? Soon! Is about to become. What do I owe this pleasure? The pleasure of Sophia. When did you stop caring, David? A nightmare. You've been charged with murder. Julie is alive. Someone did this to me. Now, his search for the truth. How much did they pay you? Is going to take him farther than he ever imagined. Vanilla Sky from 2001, directed by Cameron Crowe, rated R, <laughs> 18 plus. Wow. Adult oh, That's going to be that first nipple outside the family that gets <laughs> you back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it actually, it says that on the classification. First nipple you will see outside of your own family. <laughs> Surely it's now, the cum talk, right? Right. <laughs> That's probably that probably adds a little adult theme to it. So, fellas, we're up to one of my most famous segments on this show called "Love That Logline." Alexi has found a synopsis for this film somewhere on the internet. He's going to read it out to us, and we'll decide whether we love it or hate it. How do we rate it? So, Alexi, what have we got? This logline comes from Cameron Crowe himself. <laughs> mm. Holy shit! He can do it all. <laughs> This is how he described the movie in his production notes. And oh. this is longer than I usually do for longer lines, okay. but I couldn't resist with this. A log line from production notes from Cameron yeah. Cruz while he's making Vanilla Sky. I'm fucking strapped in. Yeah, I think I know I think I know this one. <laughs> oh no. Uh, it's this did you, you almost got this uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I should have shocked I didn't uh, look yeah, okay. <laughs> this one would be great on each eyelid. Yeah, 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 so yeah, you yeah. Close your eyes, you've got vanilla sky, but then you open your eyes, you see the real world, babe. Snowboarding through life, David Ames appears to lead a charmed life. Can I Handsome? stop you right there? <laughs> yeah. Snowboarding you, you know through what? life? I thought you would. I thought you would stop me right there. Uh, I'd forgotten snowboarding, snowboarding through like life. A giant role in this film. Like, that's a huge, bold swing <laughs> to take right at the beginning of your synopsis. Your synopsis, the first yeah. word is snowboarding. Yeah, yeah. common phrase, snowboarding through life. Yeah, in a film that features no snow and no extreme sports whatsoever, (laughs) that is huge. Anyway, so, okay, snowboarding through life. This movie stars a professional skateboarder. That's true. That's the closest we come Closest we come to it. All right, let's go. Okay, here we go. Snowboarding through life. Oh, my God. David Ames appears to lead a charmed life. Mm. Handsome, wealthy, and charismatic, the young New York City publishing executive's freewheeling existence is enchanting, yet he seems to be missing something. 
Like the pointillism of an impressionist landscape, our life can appear to be entirely different when examined close up. In one night, David meets a girl of his dreams and loses her by making a small mistake. Thrust unexpectedly onto a roller coaster ride of romance, comedy, suspicion, love, sex, and dreams. We're snowboarding, we're roller coastering. What the fuck are we doing on this? Having a nap. David finds himself on a mind bending search for his soul and discovers the precious ephemeral nature of. True. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. If you had to lose something in that love line, (laughs) would it be the reference to pointillism? No, I'd keep that in. I'd keep that in because Mm -hmm. this movie banks heavily on Monet (laughs) and the idea of art and everything. I think I'd lose snowboarding right away. (laughs) Yeah. Snowboarding through life? Yeah. Just start with David has a charmed life? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. David Ames. Floating through life. Um, you know, but he does look to uh, uh, his credit, he does say the words, I, you know, I was just snowboarding through life in the film. So well done for cramming that in. Does he really? (laughs) Yeah. What the fuck? When does he say that? Uh, I think he's talking to uh, minute 15. Approximately 33 <laughs> seconds. Yeah, quickly. Consult well, your tattoo. To Sophia. Uh, you'll, you'll to the time code. You, should, uh, you, you have like a Sophia. memento style body tattoo of every time code. <laughs> just my back is just this beautiful like vanilla sky. Uh, <laughs> recreation. Yeah, yeah, well, he's talking to Sophia, I think. He's just talking about like, you know, you've opened Yikes. something up for me, blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, I used to be just, you know. Is the guy just snowboarding my way through life? That no, honestly like, feels like a direct oh, lift from the Spanish film that just didn't translate to English, <laughs> and they've like <laughs> tried to find Spanish a, a sound alike. Yeah, the, yeah, Spain famous mm. for snowboarding. Yeah. So, <laughs> I would say that coming back to this film, mm. this was a complete shock. This was. Um, <laughs> This is a really, really strange movie, but mm. I felt like one that we had to do for yeah. this miniseries because, like, we're looking at this as a genre cycle or, like, a group of movies that fit together and kind of, like, play with each other and are a leap forward in some way. And there's a few things about this movie that I think makes it fit very well in with this, but then kind of very different to the other ones. The key thing that I think makes this quite different to all the other films is this is the only one of all the films that we've discussed so far from Mulholland Drive to A Scanner Darkly to Strange Days that I think could possibly only ever exist in this genre cycle. The rest I can kind of see feeling like they had to be birthed into the world at some point in time or another. This is the only one that I think only exists as a response to some of those films because it's kind of like the rest are commentating on the state of the world at the time. Mm. This is the only one that I feel like is commentating on the state of one dude's mind, and that's Cameron <laughs> Crowe after he saw the original movie, yeah. Open Your Eyes, by Alejandro Amendabar. Yeah, it feels a bit like he's saying, like the others are saying things about technology and about <laughs> like a um, surveillance state or about the nature of reality, consumerism. This one is just saying... God, how cool is all that shit where you can live in like a dream world? Yeah, dreams yeah. are actually full on fucked up, yeah. guys. Yeah, it's kind of like it's like you know, what if the Matrix, but the Matrix was fucking sick? 
Yeah, really nice. Really nice. Have you seen the um, the original, Open Your Eyes? I watched it just this week. I think I had maybe seen it years ago mm. as well, but it didn't stick with me. And I, I quite like the original, mm. but I think I do prefer Vanilla Sky because there is something really that it that it captures very uniquely about like the dreaminess of the world that mm. it creates and in mm. unique ways in like the way that it uses pop culture in like that Carl Jungian kind of symbolistic way especially through its music that I found like so dreamy mm. and I gotta tell you Zamet you'll be happy to know I was absolutely enchanted by this movie. Good. <laughs> Good. Until I rewatched this, I felt like I was snowboarding through life. <laughs> yes, <laughs> my life appeared to be charmed. <laughs> but when I watched this, I felt like I truly understood something about the ephemeral nature of love. Mm. I- and what did you what did you take from it, Alexi? What did you learn about the ephemeral nature of love? That love is fleeting, yet it is beautiful, <laughs> much like the paintings of Claude Monet and the album covers of Bob Dylan. I just don't um, buy this. Uh, I don't buy it. I think you're just saying buzzwords. You're just repeating things from Cameron Crowe's synopsis. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. if Were you actually moved by this film? <clears throat> I don't know if I was moved, but I was so excited yeah. by it because I think it's it's so it's a really 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 strange movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and I don't think I ever credited with how truly strange it was, and especially grouping it in with these batch of movies. One thing that we've come back around to a lot is that these are Gen X filmmakers going up to the next level and making something really big to try and speak to like a wider generation of people. And this one is really weird because I think there's a lot of commonalities between this and Richard Linklater and A Scanner Darkly and his work. This actually is the second Screen Ages graduate that we've had doing mm. one of these movies. <laughs> Linklater, <laughs> Days and Confused, this mm. guy was Say Anything. And both of those guys are kind of like Gen X, Boomer Cusp guys. And a lot of the stuff that they do deals with like Boomer culture and Boomer popular culture through like a kind of Gen X perspective. But I feel like the difference is Cameron Crowe's not speaking to anyone but himself almost <laughs> with this movie. Yeah. He's made a movie for him. Yeah, audience of one. Well, two, me included. Mm. But audience of one. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, I know. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. It's just it's a beautiful kind of story about yes, love is fleeting, and it does have this weird kind of. It, it's a very teenager perspective. I think I watched this at the like the best time you could watch it as a teen, um, because it is basically like what a teen kind of imagines what love might be or should be, which is this kind of like, I just saw someone across the room and the world stopped and now everything is about mm. them. And I'm going to be this like witting, charming piece of shit guy to be just like, oh, I've got a stalker, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't know. It, it is very dumb, but I love it. I... I think that like I watched this at also the perfect age, 30. Um... <coughs> Mm. Uh, I love movies like this just because like I also adored Vanilla Sky and I haven't seen Open Your Eyes but I think I will like Vanilla Sky better solely for one thing which is it's always wild to see huge movie stars take on roles like this (laughs) that are like full on psycho Mm. like Mm. Tom Cruise making Mission Impossible 2 going straight into Vanilla Sky 
Like, going through divorce yeah. at the same time. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a powerful energy that I think is absolutely captured on film here. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, shit. He made uh, Eyes Wide Shut just before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. Minority Report after, I want to say. Yeah, yeah right after. Christ. Mm. <laughs> so huge, many good Huge Tom couple Cruise of years films. for Mr. Mapatha. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, like you, Dusha, I'm like very intrigued by watching a movie star, particularly a blockbuster movie star. Yeah commit so wholeheartedly to something mental and tom cruise is known for doing this and kind of always has been he's the guy who'll go deep and go go huge on these sort of like committed roles i just don't know if he was the right guy for this movie and i love i love tom cruise I'm a big fan. Same. Big apologist. I think he's awesome. <laughs> Same. I just don't know if I would ever call his style of acting <clears throat> naturalistic. And yeah. I think for this type of story, I would have benefited from connecting emotionally to the lead a little bit more. I would have liked... I think I would have liked to have felt that I was watching an authentic human being rather than... Um, a mishmash of Phantom yeah. of the Opera, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Frankenstein's Monster, um, and fucking every other huge Tom Cruise performance <laughs> at the time. Jerry Maguire. Like, it's all being smashed together for me in a way that doesn't feel... I just couldn't fucking connect to this guy at the end of the day. I, I kind of... As I was watching it, I was kind of fan casting in my head who would have sold this movie better to me. And I kept coming back to... And I don't know if this is because we just kind of watched The Matrix recently, but Keanu, I thought, would do a really undersold, nice, earnest performance where I'd kind of buy him in both the crazy and the dickhead and the sensitive, sweet guy. And also, this is a swing. <laughs> I, I'm aware of how much of a swing this is, but Will Smith. Mm? Whoa. Yeah. I was kind of like, I could buy Will Smith wow. in this. I, I could see I like- him. I think I like Will Smith a lot mm. more than I like Keanu in this role. When did Sweet November come out? Because What's if- Sweet November? No one's ever heard of this Sweet movie. November? What are you talking about? <laughs> the fuck is Sweet November? Is Can I make Keanu a guess? Movie? November yeah. 1999 or 2000? I've never heard of it. Sweet November. I'm pretty sure it's Sweet November. It's Keanu, uh, Keanu Reeves and... Um, uh, uh, Charlie Theron. Theron. Yeah. And Jason Isaacs. Yeah. It has 700 reviews on Letterboxd. No one's seen this you movie. You don't ever see Sweet November? Maybe I haven't seen Sweet November. The premise, because that's where like, you have the opposite popular culture <laughs> intake from the rest of the world. I'm gonna tell you. Like uh, Sweet November, from memory, it's uh, it's, a, it's a romance. It's a romance <laughs> film with, um, with uh, Keanu Reeves, and I'm pretty uh, sure Keanu. it's about okay. a woman who has cancer or a terminal illness, and she starts dating like people for each month or something like that, and she dates Keanu in the month of November, maybe. And I don't know. It's again, it's a romance thing, and and there's a part of this film which is quite like really mm. is you need that kind of romance, or you need to kind of believe that someone is genuinely in love with someone. And Tom Cruise, I don't know, he does have lizard eyes. I'll I'll, I'll agree to that. But I think Tom, Tom Cruise, like I mean, he was dating Penelope Cruz mm. during this moment too. So there was genuine love and chemistry between mm. the two of these performers. But I I I love him. But I just don't ever buy him as authentic when he has to portray love. I think he's very authentic when he's doing other shit like fear and running mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and screaming <laughs> and crying. Like yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. But love, I mm. never see it on screen with see, him. And 
And that's a big part of this mm. fucking movie is that he loves <laughs> this woman is, so is. much that he chooses to live in a lucid dream with mm-hmm. her forever. So, and I never once bought it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cam, I feel exactly like that about Tom Cruise now. Mm-hmm. But in like the late 90s, early 2000s, I think he's the world's most horny for love man. Yeah. I think that, that he he's all love and emotion. Like, like oh, Jerry Maguire is all about love. And even like, um, <laughs> just like... Yeah, like you buy it in this, and like Eyes Wide mm-hmm. Shut is also an interesting case on that because that's also the only movie where Tom Cruise is believably pathetic, mm. which is something. Yeah, that's- well, I love I love Eyes Wide Shut. I think that movie American fucking made. rules, and, kind of pathetic, and yeah. that's a that's Why? a totally different okay, case. No, I do know American Made. I almost got <laughs> yeah. so upset again. I was like, "What are you talking?" <laughs> born on the Fourth of July. He plays. It's- yeah, he's he's. He's, he's he can be he's, pathetic. He's, he's, he can. I, we yeah. think he's a tremendous performer, absolutely. But mm. I've just never seen him authentically reflect love on screen because yeah. I think okay. he's he's okay. it's all affectation with okay. Tom Cruise. It's all the smile and the eyes mm. and the like very studied little movements that he does to show um, you know chemistry. I never see anything authentic, and I kind of think Keanu and possibly even Will Smith could have tapped into that a little better and I would have bought this movie a little okay. more. I don't I'll tell you where I buy this movie and like where I am fully, you know, I'm going down that crushed avalanche of a snowboarding mm-hmm, snowscape, mm-hmm. you know? This is where I get chasing on Chasing the powd. I'm chasing the powder. I'm gleaning the cube, if you will. Mm. Um, where I get into it is I think that the opening sequence of this movie... Uh, set to the Radiohead song, I think is some of the most like truly splendid shit I've ever seen in a movie. Like there's stuff in that opening sequence that I think is truly breathtaking where he goes from opening his eyes, the song's kicking in, we hear his, ra- his clock radio just saying, open your eyes over and over again. And then he goes out into a completely empty Times Square in 2000, 2001. Mm. I think that is like, that's crazy. I that's love all that so shit. so crazy. I love all that like, shit. I would put that up there with like the most breathless moments of Tom Cruise's career, including like when he's dangling off like the highest building <laughs> in the world for real life or like floating through space or whatever the frick he's going to do next, mm. flying fighter planes. I think that that is the most like seeing that again and completely forgetting about it, seeing it again. I, I lost my mind. I, I thought it was like some of the most crazy, ambitious stuff I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I did enjoy it. <laughs> I thought it looked I, cool. I couldn't believe it. Like, there's no like this is a different era of filmmaking. Seeing this shit, yeah. and Cameron Crowe was the one to do it. Well, it's like really what throws me around. That's another issue I have with the movie. And look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lay my cards fully on the table here. I did not like this movie. What? Um, How? I'm shocked. <laughs> I thought it was interesting, and I think on paper I really like it. I like the ideas behind it, and I like parts of it, and I like some of the imagery. But for me, Cameron Crowe, you know, just as Tom Cruise maybe is not the right star for this film, in my opinion, I don't think Cameron Crowe is the right filmmaker behind the lens because this is like a 
Jim Jarmushy, Vim Vendersy type <laughs> thing. Like it should be a fucking floating ethereal indie filmmaker who mm-hmm. makes artistic films, not the guy who wrote Fast Times at Ridgemont High and made Say Anything and then eventually made Elizabeth Town and shit like that. Like it's he's <laughs> he doesn't fit stylistically for me. I and I don't know. Sorry, I, I don't want to monologue any further. Um, <laughs> I think the fact that it's a filmmaker that probably shouldn't have made this movie adds to the appeal. Mm. Like it makes it even crazier. <clears throat> yeah, like, that I, is I kind of interesting. I don't know. I, I liked it. Like the visuals of it all. I think the direction wasn't like. Uh, I, I, I liked it all. And then even Tom Cruise as this sort of like love struck little puppy that is just kind of like ends up being on top of you know top of his game and then just ends up kind of crashing. And then, like, wanting to kind of, like, I miss that part. I'm Like, I miss being that person. So, yeah, I'm going to kill myself and go into chronogenics <laughs> and relive these moments where I am great and that uh, everything did turn out good for me. And then suddenly he's like, deep down, no, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> and so my subconscious is constantly attacking me. Tom Cruise sells that to me, you know? I think <laughs> if I'm that- like, Tom Cruise, top of the fucking game, but everyone's like, he's like, yeah, it was so good. Back in like, you know, the 90s and 2000s, he was the top of his game. I still think he's great, but a lot of people do not. And yeah, so I can yeah. imagine that. You know, Tom Cruise easily selling it. And deep down, I reckon Tom Cruise kind of hates himself. I honestly well, I think, don't think it's that deep down. <laughs> I, think I think that if I found out the Vanilla Sky happened to Tom Cruise for real, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got Vanilla Sky yeah. after Just the divorce yeah. with Nicole. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah it's replaced Cameron and Diaz we're all, with Nicole. We're all King living D- in his mm. Vanilla Sky lucid yeah. dream. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, He's put, put in there like, when you find a cure for divorce, wake me up. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> when you find a cure, get me out of here. <laughs> I actually, I quite like him in this movie. Mm. because there is like this element to it where the way this character begins is the classic Tom Cruise Mm. Jerry Maguire type like absolute cocky kind of professional bit of a wunderkind super Mm -hmm. talented huge lifestyle type of guy and I feel like that's very Tom Cruise so I think like the descent after that there's something in that for me in like seeing the like archetypal Tom Cruise movie star role be turned on his head to become like the man in the iron mask to become freaking quasi modo mm. um or you know semi modo he gets he gets quite up there with, with these <laughs> with his uh, ailments in this movie and i think that having like truly the biggest movie star that's why i kind of i'm interested in your um, your Will Smith mm. theory as well, Ken. Mm. Um, I think there's something in having the biggest movie star in the world have like this facial reconstruction where he's like had this severe damage to his face and seeing one of the most recognizable movie star faces be off kilter is interesting. And I think that's why Hitch works so well with Will Smith when he <laughs> eats that that shellfish that he's allergic to mm. and his face puffs up. That's why I think that works so well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as the my Will Smith thing there, I was thinking as a producer, like, obviously... Mm-hmm. You got to put a big name on the poster. You got yep. to put a big, beautiful face up there. And Will would sell tickets, but also Will is capable of tapping into something emotional. Um, but you know, we can't talk about the, mm. the would bees, could bees, should bees of this film. We have to talk about who we were given mm-hmm. and who was cast. And I, I love Tom Cruise, but I've said what I have to say <laughs> about him. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how do we feel about uh, the other performers in this film, though? I, you- I love Cameron Diaz in this, mm-hmm. and I think that they also tie like cast her like to- like a totally different character from what Cameron Diaz would be playing at this time. Like having her as like because like having someone that's like a bit deranged but like very attractive fine but they go so far with it that you're like whoa this is like legitimately a terrifying performance yeah i love her in this i a big cameron diaz fan think she's one of the greats and kind of unsung too you know and uh and her in this i mean i didn't know anything about this movie the all i remembered was in the trailer at the time the car crash i remember that and i remember the image of him with his stupid prosthetic mask on in the <laughs> yeah but yeah, it's yeah. not stupid it's said, the still that piqued my interest yeah, yeah. and you're calling it stupid <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. we but, all wear prosthetic masks out there yeah, in the world yeah, yeah. and tom cruise is one of the few to admit it yeah that's yeah. true we all have but a he, tom cruise mask right <laughs> she was uh god she's so good in this and she starts <laughs> in sort of like the start of the film she's sort of doing Almost a late 90s Cameron Diaz type role where she's just the bombshell, the dream girl, you know. But to see that unravel, it was so... I mean, such a great performance from her, really. Like, I I buy it. It felt emotional. It felt like she was scared of how far she was going as well. It was... I really love that whole sequence. And she's so good in the role that, like, at first you're, like, kind of on her side. You're like, yeah... Mm. Tom Cruise is being a piece of shit to you. Stop mm. just fucking this girl mm-hmm. and then being like, oh, whatever. Mm. Like, but then obviously it goes a bit too far. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't recommend trying to kill someone for that. Mm. Yeah. Um, no, no. I feel no. like that, that, that kind of, it did need a bit more time to breathe in that regard. Like kind of went <laughs> very much in terms of like, he's sleeping with her to almost the next day he's at the party being like, ah, yeah, my stalker is here. Clean. And it is just to let you know, Sammy, you don't need to say negative negative things about the movie to impress us. You're allowed to love the movie. Still a ten out of ten. I don't care. Uh, (laughs) Just minor little tweaks here and there. You'd be a flawless film. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's the kind of thing where he's like, I kind of wanted that maybe to breathe a little bit more. It's the kind of like you Mm. know having her be like us seeing basically that this guy is oh he just kind of yeah like threw away like a bit of used chewing gum as it were and kind of have that a bit more. It's so interesting to with this movie to only be like mm. from Tom Cruise's perspective mm. that you don't see her from any other angle or just yeah. to like see a moment of who she really is. I think that I would say, I agree with you guys. I think this is like one of the best performances of her career. It's the best performance in this movie. And it's interesting coming back to back. Like we just talked about being John Malkovich and her performance in that yeah. being another like subversion completely of her of her skill set and how we see her and like how and like the assets that she has as an actor and kind of changing them a little bit twisting the dials a little bit in a different direction this one is i just think she's using a completely different skill set yeah i've never this seen is, it before from her I, or seen it's probably. like glenn close stuff like yeah. that she's doing honestly she's, phenomenal. She's, she's been like the stealth winner of this miniseries right like she's big time put in two huge performances that we've been so impressed by i really hope that one day like even cameron crowe or someone comes back because he hasn't made a move for a while mm. And just goes, like, writes the perfect role for Cameron Diaz to bring her out of retirement. Just seeing her back-to-back with these two movies and just, like, 
I just think that she is supreme talent that just went completely wasted. She should have been like winning Oscars for this movie. Yeah. But I guess it's just too weird. They could only give a little <laughs> Oscar to Paul McCartney for doing a song at the credits for this movie. <laughs> I wonder if um what'll I look, Cameron Diaz I reckon will end up out of retirement, but I reckon it'll be a Charlie's Angels related movie. Oh no, please not another McG collab. We can't have another <laughs> McG collab. I love McG. I would love her to come back with McG. I, I I I know you've probably spoken about this before, and I don't want to get too distracted by Cameron Diaz's filmography, but the two Charlie's Angels movies will <laughs> surely go down in history as two of the horniest movies ever made. Yeah. Well yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. We I mean we haven't talked about it, but yeah. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> Hornbag Cinema, and I love them. Yeah. I would put them really up there yeah. in my top 50 movies properly. Yeah, both of them. Both of them, yeah. The only sequels in there are Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, and Godfather Part 2 in my top Yeah, 50. they're the only two good sequels out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got to talk about Penelope Cruz as well, because yeah. Penelope Cruz is like the common DNA between the original Alejandro Amendabar movie, Open Your Eyes, and this film. It's interesting seeing her in both films, because I think that she does some different things with the character. In the original, her character is not a dancer, but a mime, which is <laughs> Sexy. a very strange, very. interesting choice <laughs> when it comes Christ. to interpreting stuff. Um, but then I think her in this movie, this is probably very early on in her career, mm. transitioning from a Spanish actor to becoming like a big Hollywood movie star as well. And she had like this Captain Corelli's mandolin. Uh, and a couple of others, like, right at the front. And I think that she looks exactly perfect for this film. Like, you can truly believe her... Like, the way that she kind of carries this effervescent quality, mm. uh, that you can truly believe Tom Cruise... <laughs> Fucking this is such a roundabout way of saying her? she's hot. She's this is really so beautiful. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. She's so beautiful in this movie. Oh awesome, my god, she's just like wow. Everything like cinematically. Wow. They were like, look, the they're the first nipples I saw outside family, and they've stuck with me. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know. This is the first outside of the family nipple I ever I saw, it, I Cam. It. I don't know how to talk about this shit. Good Lord. She's, she is. If a guy stunning, ever describes babe. a girl as effervescent, I think we yes, know what the I'm, subtext is. Yes, the subtext is that I'm saying she's a freaking I've baby. I've whacked she off to her. <laughs> I had to. President, she'd be freaking yes, Abraham nipples. Lincoln. Come on. Okay? That's what I'm saying <laughs> over here. She is yes, beautiful. No, yes, yep. she's very beautiful. But she's also um, like, yeah, she's her... Charisma as a yeah. star is fucking outstanding. She's mm. so watchable. It's insane. Mm. And what's she like in both... Because uh, it is crazy that she plays the same character in both of these films. Same name as well. Is it an identical performance? Or are there differences beyond the mime thing? <laughs> uh, there are differences. I'd say that there's kind of um, mm. more of a sweetness to her overtly in this one like mm. a bit smilier there's a uh, she's a bit more of a, s a slight sadness or sorrowful quality in the original mm -hmm. um I, but 
I don't know. I think I prefer her in the original than into this one. Like, she's just like, she's in Spanish language. She is the probably like the best actor in the world. And then you know there are there is difference when you have to translate yeah. and like you know be in not your native language. Um, like it, truly, as a Spanish actor, mm. she's like the fucking number one for me of all time. And then you know she's just good when she's in English. <laughs> it's interesting because like I don't know how often this happens, but it has happened a few times in history where someone has reprised a role through a remake or through a reboot or whatever. Mm. And it always does my head in a little bit. There's always part of me that's like, how do you capture the magic that you captured the first time around? Yeah. Like, It's like theatre mm. actors are trained to do this, but <clears throat> film actors aren't. They just let that shit go. And I often wonder, is it just like you're playing the greatest hits from the first time around or are you able to bring something new to the role? Surely it would be more of, well, I had a crack at it last time. Maybe I wasn't happy. Give us another mm. go and I'll see how it, how what well I can do with it. One thing I'm curious about with Open Your Eyes and Penelope Cruz's performance is do they play her younger in Open Your Eyes? Because there's like six years difference and for an actress, that's like a, like Hollywood treats that like fucking 30 years. Mm. Mm. Not really, no. I think Open Your Eyes is a little bit younger skewed. Oh, sorry. I think that he's more, the lead is a bit more of like a young playboy yeah. rather than a yeah, guy yeah. I think he was like, in his 30s. Because he's 25 in, in the original, yeah. as in like the, the main character is like, like 25 oh, okay. playboy, whereas in this he's it's like, 33. I'm turning 33. And I'm like, oh, it's great yeah. to watch this as I'm older than Tom Cruise. That's nice. Yeah, God, that was let's give weird. away let's give away a little Oscar for the Christ Year as a concept. <laughs> I think that yeah, this yeah, is yeah, one of the great does. Christ Year conceptual yeah. movies that's ever been. Yeah, we love the Christ Year. Um, <laughs> Any time a film deals with the Christ Year, mm-hmm. I'm gobsmacked. I think, wow, you guys mm. did it. You had the balls. You had the balls to deal with faith. You had the balls to deal with martyrdom. Good mm-hmm. on you. You did mm-hmm. it. Yeah, he's, the he's, two most exciting yeah. years for a character or real life fella to be. 27 and 33 because <laughs> you know some shit's about to go damn right yeah. you see oh yeah because Tom Cruise in this film uh, as, as a 33 year old he ended up sacrificing himself mm. to save himself yes yes yes, yes <laughs> dies yes. for his own sins see, you're, getting it. you're getting it Dies. He dies for his own sins and is redeemed for them immediately. Yeah. yeah. He's both Christ and Christ's followers. Yeah. It's actually really yeah. beautiful. And a little Judas mixed in. A little bit of Judas. Yeah. He's poor. Yeah. And kind of God as yeah. well. Yeah, he is a little bit of God. He gets he Noah Taylor tells him he can be God in his own lucid dreams. So. Yeah. yeah. How oh, the performance by is it Kurt Russell at the very end? Where he's oh, yeah, just like, I'm, meant, I'm, I'm fucking made for entertainment. Surely that's the, <laughs> right. I can't. That's bullshit, right? I can't be a creation. This is here for you, right, guys? We're all we're all thinking this. That's that's bullshit, right, guys? No, everyone's ignoring me. <laughs> Why? Uh, it's so, so funny that it. he ends up turning out like the broadest performance at the end of the movie, just playing. Yeah, I guess I'm a cartoon at the end of this <laughs> shit. Yeah. Fuck. Who cares what the fuck I'm doing? I was doing some Gregory Peck shit before, pretending to be a father figure. Oh, now fuck. I guess yeah, I guess I'm fucking Roger Ramsey yeah. or something. <laughs> just love that. Wait, it's like it'd be so funny. You're giving a computer program sentient, and he's like, "Fuck off, no, no, uh, no, yeah, I want this." That's, that's how it this responds. Is... The code is like, "Wait a second you're kidding me, right? <laughs> you have to be kidding. Yeah. I have daughters. Uh. 
Um, and what are their names? <laughs> oh, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, fucking duck. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> does not compute. Oh, no. Oh, Computer uh, says no. Oh, shit is a paradox. Oh, no. <laughs> Why didn't they what? write names for his daughters in the code? That's what I want to know. <laughs> just go Missy and Sissy. Yeah, you got a couple yeah, yeah. there. Write it down Beep immediately. You know, the two greatest yeah. children you'll ever have. Mario and Luigi. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> couple of names right there um, for you. One thing I did love about this film is because we all know how great Tom Cruise is at running. Um, sure. But there are a few moments in this scene where some of the other characters kind of run off camera. Um, for no real reason, doesn't really make sense for the story or for a person to ever do such a thing, but they do, and it kind of really highlights how bad people are on film running. Because uh, yes. Penelope uh, Cruz does it once, and you're like, "Ooh, don't run!" And then Jason <laughs> Lee does it, and he does it mm. in the most almost like um, like N- uh, after like, like like a Skyrim interact with NPC way, <laughs> where he's like finished talking and then just fucking bolts down the road uh, in the most inhuman way I've seen a man move. <laughs> Oh, that, he's not used to moving with that four wheels underneath. Yeah, yeah, it must be. But it's just very, That's very, what they very good. Have done with him. Do a bit of that Jamiroquai virtual insanity video clip. Just him sliding around on his feet. <laughs> that would be awesome. I would love it if they just made his character a skater, and yeah. he just got to do ollies and shit like that. Yeah. Well, um, I, I actually Jason can't believe we haven't talked about Jason Lee mm. yet. I mean, fucking hell. Morats is very own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes, Morats mm-hmm. is very own. I'm a I'm a Jason Lee fan. Mm-hmm. I know Alexi in particular. Holds burns a candle for Jason Lee yeah. every night. Yeah. Uh, th- every night I go to church and I light a few up for Jason yeah. Lee. So I guess we've all seen. Is it the film Mumford? What are you talking about? <laughs> Come, Come on, on, brother! You're you making can't these do up this. at this point. <laughs> You're making these. <laughs> what the hell? Where a man the, the, goes the to a sleepy Mumford. town of, I believe it's called Mumford, and Jason Lee plays a skater there, and he pretends to be a psychiatrist. Okay, okay. so first Mumford? of all, real movie. If Mumford's a real movie, about? I'm going to fucking go psycho. It's from 1999. It's the it's same. The I'm looking what? up right now. Oh, my God, you're going to love this. Written and directed by Lawrence Kasdan. What the fuck? <laughs> Also, Jason Lee's character in this movie's name is Skip Skipperton. He's a skater. <laughs> oh my god! Can I please, don't, please, 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 don't tell me Jason Lee's top build. No, no he's, he's third. third build. He's third build. But here's who, his... who underneath Billy Crudup or some <laughs> shit. What the fuck's going here's on? Here's some other cast members for you that you're gonna love. Jason Ritter. I... Um, oh my god! Don't tell me Jennifer Jason Lee's in this as well. It's the Simon freaking Jason Segel, Elizabeth Moss, oh Ted Danson's Ted Danson, in there, Zoe Deschanel, Martin what Short, Alfre Woodard, Hope Davis. She's one of my favorite actors. Uh, it's a great film. I've got secretions coming out of every pore of my body. Learning about this fucking <laughs> ultimate reality that Joel has fucking merged us with. Right so, so I feel like I'm waking up from a fucking <laughs> lucid dream. So. You just like join the podcast and go. Oh, by the way, there's an alternate IMDb that I use that has different movies on it. Uh, this Mumford on Letterbox has yeah. 86 reviews. Come on, dude. Get out of it. Get out of town. Mumford. I mean, uh, I watched a lot of films in high school. Well, it seems uh, like between mostly the year around 1999 yeah. and 2001, you watched make believe movies that turned real. Did you make a wish or something? You're like, hey, I wish these movies. I imagined were real life now. Yeah, so see, when I when I killed myself and then hopped into the cryogenic free, I, I basically imagined all these beautiful films. Uh, to, to go to the video store, did you have to fucking jack yourself into the Matrix? Uh, 
<laughs> had to put a fucking needle in the back yeah, of your neck yeah, to get yeah, to yeah. the bottom. He movies... jacked into the Viewersk universe. Yeah. <laughs> you, can watch, you can watch movies made by yeah. Lawrence Kasdan that exactly. star fucking Jason Lee. This is crazy. Zamet's favorite movie is Terminator 2 Judgment Day starring Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyway, yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, Mumford, great film, good performance by Jason um, Lee. No, that can't be true. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. None of this is I love Jason Lee. Uh, there's no way he's good in that movie. <laughs> he plays uh, himself, I can only assume. Um, I, I think um, it was actually, I watched Enemy of the State recently. The, yeah, um, a real Tony movie. Scott, <laughs> That's Tony one Scott people have heard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's so, real. So, Zamet, in our timeline, yeah. Enemy of the State stars Will Smith. Oh, and yeah. It's directed by Tony Scott. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason Lee has a small part in that. And I just, I'd totally forgotten how fucking cool and good he was in screen, on screen mm. at this era, you know, where he's like in the Kevin Smith movies, he's popping up in these big budget things. I think he fucking rules. I want this guy to have a renaissance. When are we getting yeah. the renaissance? Well, I think. I think Jason Lee would have been, and again, in terms of like you know your fan casting. I think if they almost had switched the roles around, I think Jason oh, yeah, Lee would have yeah. done a really good um, like sort of main character in this. And like, I thought really about that too, but but this movie would not have gotten the budget to no, 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 do anything they wanted yeah, to do. Not at all. Third of this movie. If only Mumford had pulled in two hundred million dollars <laughs> at the box office, we could have maybe seen him get yeah. you know highlighted to the lead role. Yeah. Well, yeah, he but, doesn't. I mean, almost famous was before this. Yeah, but, yeah that's, but he's like but six he's, build in Yeah, that. he's very, very much not. And then he kind of just becomes Dave from Elvin and the Chipmunks for a while. Oh, he, actually. And Earl, come Earl. on. And Earl. He's and Earl. getting that Earl from My Name is Earl. Of course. And then uh, you've got to remember that a sequel to Mole Rats is meant to come out in the next year or two. Yeah, that's awesome. Twilight of the Mole Rats. <laughs> it's going to deal with COVID. Thanks, Ooh. Kevin Smith. I, I love My Name is Earl, by the way. Mm. One, I think it's a show that I really, really love. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome that not only is he the titular character, his character's saying the title. <laughs> yeah. You um, <laughs> you go to EarlCon every year, right? And you- yeah. yeah. I go in. I dress up as Ethan Supley every year for <laughs> Melcon. <laughs> um, one thing that I really want to talk about in this movie, because I, I think it's the thing that really sets this apart mm. and what makes this feel most like a Cameron Crowe I know, movie. I know what you're going to say. I know it. I just know it. It is, of course, the music. Yeah. I think that this... And it's also what really sets it apart for me from the original film. The original film just has like a great score. This film has a great score uh, by Nancy Wilson of the band Heart, who is uh, Cameron Crowe's wife at the time. And also, it has, like, truly, I think, like, spellbinding for me use of popular music and a mixtape quality that feels so dreamy. Like, really interesting song selection that always feels like Tom Cruise is fucking pressing play when the song hits. And I think it's a rare time where needle drops work in a very dreamy way. Cam, you're a big music guy. Do these, do these films, do these, does this music fit into like your wheelhouse? I love all the songs on this soundtrack, <clears throat> but I will tell you this. In retrospect, once the movie's over and you're kind of aware of what you've just watched and the idea that we've been mostly watching a simulated reality based on this character David's dreams and his memories of pop culture and the music that he likes, mm-hmm. I think the soundtrack makes sense then. But as you're watching the film, before those twists have been revealed to you, 
I found it incredibly off-putting. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because there's one scene in this movie where he's having sex with his girlfriend mm-hmm. and then she turns into Cameron Diaz mm-hmm. And he keeps fucking her, but he's like laughing and he's going crazy at the same time. And That's how I imagine Tom Cruise actually has sex, <laughs> yeah. by the way. He's, fu- he's like, it's like that shot where it's, it's like a POV shot where we yeah, are the yeah. girlfriend being fucked by Tom Cruise. Yeah. And he's like cackling maniacally and going, what the fuck is happening? While he's still thrusting. Yeah. And the music changes like four times in that shot. It keeps jumping between songs almost as if someone's pressing skip on an iPod. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly, as I was watching, I started losing my fucking mind. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? There's no way that this is like, I think this is a bold choice, but I think it's making me feel insane. And I don't <laughs> like the way this is making me feel. That was the intended, uh, I guess. Yeah, what I wanted from you, yeah. really. I it guess it yeah. was the intention, yeah. but I hated. It. I hated yeah. where it landed. And then there's the other bit where he's screaming and running mm. through the office while I think "Good Vibrations" by the Beach that Boys. That was the playing. funniest. <laughs> <laughs> that rocks. That was, I couldn't. Dude, I the, couldn't with the penny it. drops, I guess. Like the "Good Vibrations" got me like. I don't remember this as a musical choice, but if I was to do, I wouldn't have chosen this one. I love that song, and uh, but it just honestly made me feel insane. It felt mm. like, you know, when like you're making student <laughs> films or something, yeah, and you just drop in like any popular song as the score or soundtrack. That's kind of what it felt like to me. <laughs> well, speaking of feeling insane, yeah, Cam, I when I watched this movie, the soundtrack, or yeah, one of the needle drops in this, I gave me one of the most unique and fucked up feelings watching a movie I've ever had. Because ever since I was in high school, and like this is a very like high school conversation of people being like, oh, what song do you want to play at your funeral? Sure. And oh, I loved it. I always yeah, was yeah. like, ladies Thought and- Thought about death so much back yeah, then. Yeah, it was deep. It was the late mm-hmm. 2000s. Yeah. Fucking mm-hmm. the Black Parade had come out. Everyone yeah. was all talking about death. That's all we spoke about as teenagers. Mm. We heard Welcome to the Black Parade once. We're like, yeah. fuck, we're going to yeah. die. We yeah. should stop planning for it now. We're 16 or whatever. <laughs> anyway, I'd always been like, all right, so spiritualized to a, like a UK shoegazy, noisy mm-hmm. rock band. They have an album I love called Ladies and Gentlemen, We're Floating in Space. The title track of that song, uh, the title track of that album, Ladies and Gentlemen, We're Floating in Space. I was like, that's my funeral song. So I've been saying this since I was like 16. Mm-hmm. In wow. this fucking movie, <laughs> there's a funeral scene that starts and you don't see the funeral first, but that song starts playing and then the camera pans around and you see it's a funeral. I felt like I'd seen my own death. Oh my God. <laughs> it fucked me. I was like, oh my what God. The fuck? But then also I was like, well, I can't do that because then when I die, I either have to become the biggest vanilla sky head in the Whoa, world. So it's a reference. <laughs> Well, look, if you, you come for the king, you better not miss, all I'm saying, okay? I honestly think you're overthinking your own funeral, dude. I don't, I don't yeah, think you need to build your whole personality around Vanilla Sky now. So that when I die... Just that one yeah. song yeah. choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, because it's like a... It's it's not like an unheard of song. It's one of those albums that like music critics fucking loved, got like tens and stuff when it came out. And it's Camera got like... Camera Crow a, types. Yeah, but it's... um. Yeah, but it's also not a song I expected to just hear in a movie I was watching, especially oh. about a partic- like that mm. scene. Also, when I was talking about it being in a funeral, Vanilla Sky would have been out for like six years. So I'm like, did I see part of that? Maybe. 
Did it impact? It probably did. did. Yeah. On the tally some, at some point, late at night. I had the same experience, but I always fantasized about screaming and running down a hallway <laughs> while good vibrations played. Yeah. And now I can't do that. Yeah. Screaming out, tech support. <laughs> now, I got to tell you um, this, Dusha. You just said, like, oh, in this movie, there's like, in the funeral scene, there's this song that plays. I've watched this movie <laughs> twice in the last month. I've seen it once before. I got no fucking idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't remember this funeral scene. This is such a. This movie is so crazy and so weird that you just in depth describe something that happens in it. I have zero memory of it. There's no recollection coming to my mind at all. I'm, I know Mumford more than I know this funeral scene. I, man, that's, uh, you know what? I have a feeling the more we talk about this movie, the more I think that if I revisit this in a year or so, mm. I'll probably totally change my tune about this fucking movie because <laughs> like, I'm just looking through the soundtrack now as mm. well and there's so many fucking great songs in here that I just forgot you hear glimpses of. You hear mm. for like... Five seconds. There's um, mm. Porpoise Song by the Monkeys, which is the theme from this wacky film they did called Head that Alexi and I mm. have seen. Love There's some movie. U2 in there. There's some Dylan, Joan yep. Osborne. Like, it's truly... I, I feel like I won't forget this movie. And then maybe when I revisit, I'll realise... I'll unlock it in some way. But yeah. for now, all I could think of was... I just wish that... um. Like Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead did a score for it or something, and the yeah. whole and the whole thing was consistent. I feel like I'd be more sucked into it in that way if there was some consistency to the sound of well, it. Well, just on Johnny Greenwood and I guess Radiohead choosing everything is in its right place for the opening of this movie is a pretty big swing because Kid A had only been out for like like six months at this point, and oh, like at that right. point everyone was like, "This move, this album is so fucking freaky. I think I hate it." <laughs> That's how uh, I felt when I first heard. Yeah. K-A. So like, because um, like, it's not and like now this I was, love it. <laughs> yeah, it's probably my favorite Radiohead album. Um, yeah. But yeah, like to put that song in so, like, there was not really that much time between it. That's also a pretty big swing. That's he so been interesting because like, I kept thinking it's a little on the nose to have everything in its right place. But now, if I look, you look back at context and realize that people kind of hated this album too. Yeah. It wasn't like it was a beloved song or anything. No. That's and crazy. the film is basically scored to it. Mm. Like, that opening sequence is scored to the mm. pacing of that song. It's 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 so weird. Because I will <laughs> even say this. I don't even like Radiohead. I don't, I don't listen to them. But after yeah, watching this movie, I just kept on listening to that song over and over again. Like, and I would just, like, lie down, play the song, slowly get up, wander around. I'm like, yeah, mm. I'm like Vanilla Sky. <laughs> <laughs> you are like Vanilla yeah. Sky right now, Alexi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. JD's just scrolling through the uh, track list. Yeah, it's Salisbury Hills by uh, Peter mm-hmm. Gabriel. Oh, we love Peter Gabe's. Beautiful song. Mm. And I think the score mm. is really lovely. Like, this kind of, like, somber guitar. Mm. Almost, like, sounds like James Taylor is, like, the kind of score that's going on. I think it's really... It's a really interesting take for like this kind of movie. Usually it's got really dark and moody music, yeah. this kind of film. To have like bright acoustic-y kind of guitar, I think is really beautiful. And I think maybe that's part of why I haven't fully gelled with it is because it's a real mishmash of different genre types going on here. Like we're watching a romance film that is slowly <laughs> revealed to be like, uh, like science fiction, but sometimes yeah. it's broad comedy like sometimes it's the fucking mask Mm. sometimes it's like a jim carrey performance sometimes it's horror and then the soundtrack 
is so inconsistent and almost like a weird little mixtape that the whole thing discombobulates you. There's never a moment of like lulling you into the film and the comfort of it. So maybe like now that I'm aware of what it is, I would enjoy it again. So I've just, because I was looking at the sound, Mm. so the actual soundtrack versus the additional songs are actually in the movie. Here's two things that are just so fucked up about the score or the soundtrack. So there's a Sigur song that was apparently audio from a never released concert from 2000 that they gave to Cameron Crowe. But also the Nirvana Mm. song, You Know You're Right, which was not released until like 2005 or 2006. An unreleased mm. version of that song was given to Cameron Crowe by Courtney Love to hide in the movie. So people yeah, watched the movie. That. <laughs> I think that's Carol. <laughs> people watched the movie, heard a Nirvana song no one had ever heard and didn't realize. I also don't know where in the movie that is. <laughs> yeah, that, that rules. That. <clears throat> no, and I the, movie, the song you. doesn't come out for like another five years, I don't think, after that. That's crazy. Yeah, that is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> God, uh, this whole film it, it does have that like that level of you're on edge a little bit, and it kind of is that sort of uneasy, un like un. There's something just like undercurrent of like what is going on, and it just doesn't feel mm. right. It's very saccharine, but then it's not, and then it's yeah. I don't know I think it's it. A lot of the other performances we haven't even talked about, like Tilda Swinton, uh, Michael oh, Shannon as the guard. You're just like, mm-hmm. why is he here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's so many interesting actors. I reckon mm. we should give away our character actor Oscar for this. Mm. This film, there's a lot of people in it. Michael Shannon, Tilla Swinton, like you said. Uh, we talked about Noah Taylor. Mm. One person I'd love to nominate for this Oscar <laughs> is a character actor that I dearly love, Timothy Spall. Yes. Known as Peter Pettigrew amongst Harry Potter nerds. I love Timothy Spall, and I think that he's one of the ugliest guys. <laughs> yeah, there is. Him and Clint Howard, man. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see them team up on something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like just as two I'd love kind to see of them goons. team up on me. Good <laughs> How about it, fellas? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good call. I forgot Timothy Spall was in this, and he gets he gets a fair bit to do as mm. well. Yeah, he's just kind of playing like a bit of a helpful antagonist mm-hmm. almost to Tom Cruise, Mapatha the Fourth, yeah. where he's like talking about the business end of this guy's freaking life. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I think he's weird, man. <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, Mapatha, did you notice that there's the second Mapatha brother is in this? Yeah, William Mapatha, the cousin of Tom Cruise. Mm. William Mapatha pops up uh, hitting on Penelope Cruz in the club or something like that. Mm-hmm. I love to see that guy pop up. It's great. I love William Apathar. <laughs> um, just back to Timothy Spall real quick. Uh, the movie he made almost directly after this is Mark Wahlberg's Rockstar, which then has me thinking that maybe Vanilla Sky is the one movie that ties every movie to every other movie. Oh, no. <laughs> I think it might actually be the missing piece of pop culture. Mm. For everything, it, yeah. It, well, I mean, now it. it's reawoken Mumford and November Sky <laughs> into the world. Sweet so. November, please. Sweet November. Oh, so sorry. November Sky is another movie that barely exists. Sorry, guys. Uh, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. yeah, awesome stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, but, uh, good I think, lord. Uh, yeah, this is to me. It's like a very good film for. <laughs> Um, for a very specific age, and I don't know. Have you heard what the original uh, director from uh, Open Your Eyes has said about um, that film? Go on. In, what in, has he said? In 2016, he said that um, Open oh. Your Eyes was his worst film, telling that it had been written by teenagers who did not know anything about life. So I want. Okay. So with that quote in mind, so when yeah. Tom Cruise finished watching this film, 
he immediately, during the credits, was on his phone trying to buy the rights to the remake of this film. And I think that quote really does sum up my love for this film and what this film really is about, mm. which is, yeah, teenagers don't know shit about fuck. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And so we're, we're really just watching, like, what love is and what we want out of life and this imagining of, like, what is it is to be a grown-up with responsibility of running a board. And I own 51% of a company because I don't know how a business works. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that is, that is important to me. And so it's all this kind of stuff filtered through the dumb fuck brain of someone who is 16, 17. And if you are 16 and 17, watch this film. It is for you. I, I think that's the best endorsement you can give. If you're yeah. like 16 years old, you mm. got to watch this you movie. You need to watch this film. You may end up like me, but you need to watch this film. <laughs> Zamet, we got to do a total reboot on this movie. How would you reboot this film? Already, okay. You've already reinterpreted this movie for the stage, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but what would you do now? <laughs> now, uh, I would uh, probably cast someone like Robert Patterson. Um, as the oh lead. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I yeah. think That's he does have that like unhingedness <laughs> as well as to be able to like play the the romance part of it. I think he'd be a very good um lead in this. Um, in terms of like, uh, and then also I think with the, the two sort of like love interests, you you do need to have them very much very like opposite. I mean, they did kind of like oh she's blonde and she's a brunette. I reckon if you're gonna do that and you're casting Robert Pattinson, mm-hmm. and this is like Cameron Diaz's role, give it to Kirsten Stewart. Oh yeah, make yeah. some like real fucking crazy <laughs> real wow. life politics coming into wow. movies. I love when movies <laughs> yeah. do that. Yeah yeah yeah, real fucking up. <laughs> yeah, just fuck up. You know that these actors are in just having a terrible. Time. <laughs> but then the energy in the movie mm. is you're like I'm enjoying this because it feels real and it, feels it probably right. is it feels right yeah <laughs> before we wrap things mm. up you just reminded me there's one thing I want to tell you guys there it's speaking about the trailer for Vanilla Sky this is something that Cameron Crowe said in an interview like mm-hmm. a year ago when he was asked about Vanilla Sky again he said not everybody got it mm-hmm. back in the day I think they thought it was going to be a fatal attraction story. The opening weekend, I went to see it, and there was a guy roaming the aisles saying, this is not the movie you think it is. If anybody needs a refund now, ask for a refund. How do you know what movie they think it is? It was traumatic. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so I read sad. that too, and it was a guy that worked for the cinema, right? It wasn't it was just some random. It was an usher <laughs> walking around with popcorn, wow. I imagine. He's got, like, popcorn over his shoulder and shit. Look, as someone who worked at a cinema for 15 years... Mm-hmm. I would never do that. Um, it's an insane <laughs> thing to do. The only time I would step in is if, like, for instance, if uh, a family was going to see a twisted film like Joker, I'd be like, look, mm-hmm. this is actually not your children's superhero movie. This yeah. one's full on fucking twisted. I'd yeah. say this one's for mum and dad. Serious, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Mum and dad only. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, just, just one thing that we haven't brought up that I think is also mm-hmm. really, if you're listening this far and you're like, I'm not entirely sure how Vanilla Sky goes down. I think it's worth noting that Cameron Crowe's commentary on this movie is that there is five different interpretations of the ending. So when the director is saying there is five different interpretations of his own ending, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's... There's a, That's illegal. <laughs> it is illegal. So can, you, can you go through the uh, five? I read, oh, no, I read one, one of his feel. interpretations. Uh, so, and one of them is just like, oh, one interpretation could be the whole thing's fake and it's a yeah. dream. It's like, yeah, f- 
every movie's fake. And he say, every movie's a dream of some guy. He says one of them is like the whole thing could be Jason Lee's writing a novel, and this is what the novel is about. Yes. When when there's interpretations of movies that are that, where it's like, okay, well, it could just be this thing that I don't hint at for barely yeah. one second in the movie. I'm like, well, congratulations, fucker, you made the worst <laughs> movie you could possibly just make. like the Joker. It could be yes. just a dream. <laughs> Again, Vanilla Sky is the connective piece of all pop culture. Yes. Anyway, the so, interpret- yeah, people were yeah. like that about Joker going like, the whole thing's a dream in his hair. They go, well, great. That's cool. a fucking worst movie. What a waste movie. of two hours. It sucks <laughs> shit. It sucks shit if the whole yeah, thing's a dream. He should have had a fucking better dream then. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the interpret- dream Mumford instead yeah. for a second. I didn't get to see it. Gosh, uh, that good. So the interpretations <laughs> are, tech support is telling the truth. 150 years have passed since Ames killed himself and the subsequent events have been a lucid dream mm-hmm. that's the, that's one the, the only mo- version of the movie that's good <laughs> that's also the one that the movie pretty much tells you yeah that's yeah, what we're told in the film yeah, that's, so. the text, uh, that's the text that doesn't even count as a interpretation uh-huh. Uh-huh. no that's, that's just yeah. literally <laughs> that's just you uh watching a film yeah, yeah watching so that means <laughs> taking you so much cameron crow for putting <laughs> yeah. that as the first interpretation it helps ease me yeah. into whatever bullshit you're about to spout next <laughs> if you've stopped the movie before the reveal that that is how the movie ends then yeah that's probably a surprise in the interpretation watch the whole film you probably ah, got it. that one yeah uh, interpretation two the entire film is a dream which is evidenced by a sticker on ames's car that reads uh 30th of february 2001 uh, and then it says in brackets february 30 does not occur in the gregorian calendar thank you for pointing that out that is true <sighs> yeah, that is yeah, true. awesome that is true. dude awesome cammy we love you crow <laughs> brother three the events after the crash are a dream Ames had whilst comatose. So second dream theory just means the car crash is real, but the rest of the movie yeah. a dream. Uh-huh. That's the same as the first one, <laughs> yeah, but except there's not like, like a little tech. guy that works for, for yeah. a computer company involved. And there's no Benny. Ah, I don't like that one. Uh, the entire no, no, film no. is a plot. Uh, is the plot of a book that Brian is writing. Because uh, yeah. that is referenced in the fact that Brian is following uh, David around at the start, being like, I'm trying to write a book. Mm. Yeah. Imagine yeah, you yeah. watch Chasing Amy and someone <laughs> mm. goes, I've got a theory. Chasing Amy is just the comic book that those guys are writing. You're like, isn't that. That sucks shit. It isn't is, that, dude. Yeah, that that's is- the only way to interpret that film. But also, doesn't that happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, but that's, that's like if you just oh, go, yeah. well, that's all fake. Oh yeah, it's like what's the happen, writing yeah. of the comic book? I'm mm. writing a comic book called Freaking Chasing Amy, <laughs> and it's like fucking how deep do you go? It's the same boring yeah, shit yeah. over and over. <laughs> and then uh, five, which you'll notice very similar to two and three, the entire film after the crash is a hallucination caused by drugs administered during Ames's reconstructive surgery. Wow, so moments before he goes into a coma is the other <laughs> interpretation. Mm, interesting, interesting. Uh, and then, the- I, this goes against everything he just fucking said. Crow also notes that a presence of a vanilla sky during the morning reunion after beautiful. the nightclub scene marks beautiful. the first lucid dream yeah. scene and that everything else that follows is a dream, meaning so, that the first interpretation so, is the real one. No, no, so watching the film means you've just watched the film and you've come to the end? <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. that's, like, cool, 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 cool. that's actually the movie. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. has the same interpretation yeah. three times. He's stretching that's, to go far. My interpretation is wow. that all the, you know, at the end of the movie, how the screen goes black mm. and all these names come up. Yeah. My interpretation yeah. is that those are people that worked <laughs> on the film... Yeah, and that's the, interesting. The, and that's like a little list of what they did on the film and stuff like that. 
I don't know what that's interesting. What? I'd say. I was gonna yeah. say if, if you were rebooting this uh, to the modern era, because obviously um, publishing magazines is a dead art. Um, no, who reads these days? Readings, no one's going to read. No matter what they say in the film, uh, people won't read again. I'm sorry. Throw eyeballs out in the bin. What uh, I guess? Uh, what profession would you would you have? Uh, our, 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 our I guess reimagine David. We've had him as a playboy. We've had him mm. as a publishing giant or an inheritor mm. of a, a publishing giant company. What is the sort of modern day era equivalent? I mean, uh, tech. He'd be like in a tech, tech, bro. Yeah. Yes. I think you make him a movie producer. Oh. And then you can also. And he's making a movie called Vanilla Sky. <laughs> yes. Oh. And one of the interpretations is that the movie you just saw is actually Vanilla. <laughs> is actually the movie Vanilla Sky he's making. But then also in the movie it says that the movie he's making is the Vanilla Sky from 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get yeah. like a de-aged Tom Cruise uh, in the background as like one of the actors. Yeah, yeah. It's good, 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 and then good. yeah, like maybe the character's name is like Cam. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of David, and mm-hmm. then yeah, like, towards the end of the film, they call him Cameron Crow. That's really good. <laughs> I really like this this reboot. Yeah, I think that's awesome. That's how I choose to interpret my life from now on. <laughs> I think I don't know what's happened after mm-hmm. watching this movie and then doing this podcast. I think that Vanilla Sky is probably my top ten movies of all time. Oh yes. my god! <laughs> no, yes. no, no. <laughs> good lord! I I think it's good. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> top I, ten films. I honestly <laughs> don't want to do anything today except rewatch Vanilla Sky. Yes, and, and maybe then open your eyes. Maybe I'll rewatch it. I'm like, okay, I just got no, too excited you thinking didn't. about how it's chaotic this movie is. It's actually really good. Is a whole scene. Nightclub puts the thing back back of his head. He's too got two faces. No, <laughs> it's good. He calls the bartender a bitch. Then they have like shots with each other. It's great. It's a yeah. It's cool. it's official. The film is great. We love Vanilla Sky. Oh, so guys, thanks so much for freaking joining thanks, us on Total Reboot. No problem. I Anytime. can't wait to watch Mumford. Of course, that's what you guys are here to promote is <laughs> yeah, Mumford, yeah, yeah. the yeah. 1999 yep. Lawrence Kanzler movie. Yep, 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 yep. You guys, of course, have got everything behind Sans Pants. So much great comedy podcasting stuff. But you are about to do a little tour in the UK, right? Uh, yeah, we're doing a. Uh, I think it is a, a London tour of uh, several shows in London. Yeah, so um, we're actually one of the venues we're performing at, tying it back to music, is somewhere. Uh, so it's Les- Le- Leicester Square <laughs> Theatre, uh, which is where the Clash debuted London Calling. Yeah. Uh, so wow. we uh, are gonna, I guess, do mm. the worst thing that's ever happened in that venue. Yep. A live episode of Plumbing <laughs> the Death Star. There is Damn some. Right. If you're listening to this and the show hasn't happened yet, uh, there probably is a few tickets available. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it's sold yeah. out, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and if it's already either, happened, either the sorry. tickets are go like they're selling out like hotcakes, or uh, it's gone real bad. So either <laughs> I'm sorry you missed out, or please buy some tickets. So good to get, have you guys back on the podcast. We love you very much. Thanks for joining yes. us. No problem. Anytime. Yeah. I'm gonna go watch rewatch Vanilla Sky now. Maybe live it. Good lord. <laughs> good lord. Give us a report back. <laughs> See you later, guys. Next week on the podcast, like I said at the top, we're going to be discussing the Truman Show from Peter Weir. Great movie. Jim Carrey. Cannot wait to get into it. And also, if you want to hear more from Cam and I, subscribe to the patreon.com slash total reboot. If you want to see Cam live, he's got some show dates coming up. The links to tickets and stuff are in the show notes for that. And also listen to my podcast with Jen Fricker, Lived It, where we just talk to the Byron Bays. If you're into docu-soaps and reality TV dramas, if you're watching Byron Bays on Netflix, we talked to some of them. And it was like entering a whole new world for me. It was such a fun chat. So weird. Check it out if you're into it. And also... Stay tuned for some more Millennium Mindfucks coming at you in the future. 
And until then, I'll see you in another life when we're both cats. Mm-hmm.